to reach heaven. Amen? Amen? Because, because, because don't you, don't, you, you know, you, first you got to know that first when you reach heaven, when you tap into heaven and you put that urgency and that hunger for God, God honors that and then he brings heaven down to earth. Amen? Who wants to, who wants to, who wants to experience heaven on earth today? Amen? Who wants to get some Holy Ghost fire in their belly this morning? Amen? So before we get started with worship, I just want to introduce my sister Lauren Sienski. She was bringing a testimony this morning. Amen. Amen. Like Pastor Berto said, my name is Lauren Sienski. I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise International. And I just want to testify to you guys this morning about a ministry we have here. We have a single mom's ministry, and, and I'm leading that up along with another deacon, um, Cynthia Rodan. And I just have to testify because most of you are not single moms and you're not seeing what's going on. But these women's lives are being changed. They are being impacted. These women have come broken. These women have come with broken relationships within their families. And they are leaving healed. They are leaving with tears in their eyes knowing that Jesus has set them free. Their relationships are being restored. So I want to encourage you with that today. Although you might not see what's going on in this ministry, God is moving in different homes. God is moving through our life groups. And these women have come not trusting in God, but yet they're starting to trust in God. And I want to read this scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Just as God has made the path straight of these women, he will do the same for you. So if you come here this morning with something on your heart or something not right in your life, put your trust in him in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight today. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the people here. And I ask you, God, that your spirit would come now. I pray that today would be another day of transformation. That today, oh God, that lives would be changed. That they would leave out here empowered and encouraged to change the world for you, Jesus. We love you and we honor you in this place, Jesus Christ. Amen. hands together. We bless your name, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Can you just lift up a shout of praise this morning? The one who's filled with joy in this place. Come on, shout hallelujah. Come on, shout it louder. Say hallelujah. Come on, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now. Come on, I'm so glad you're here. Come on, we're going to worship the Lord this morning. Just the voice, come on, sing it out. Say rain down, come on. All around the world we're singing rain down. Can you hear the earth is singing rain down? All this time and still we're singing rain down. Rain, rain down. Oh, 
who was here back in the day when we used to be in this building and we were facing that way? Can you just raise your hands? It was a new song back then, and I'm singing it this morning because I want to catch a fire all over the nations. Come on, we have to understand that there are brothers and sisters like you and I singing to our Lord all over the world right now. Come on, some of them are underground. Some of them are in huts and villages. Some of them are in, on dirt floors, and they're singing this song. They're singing a song to God with all of their heart. So when we sing this song, I want to join with the nations this morning in singing our song to the Lord. Come on, let's give them our best this morning. Come on, let's join with China. Let's join with the church in Pakistan. Let's join with the, with the church in, in Brazil right now. Come on, just lift up your hands all over this church. Come on, raise your hands all over this church. We're not the only ones, you guys. We're not the only ones praising our God this morning. Come on, we're in a company of believers. And we're singing to the same God. So right now, in your own voice, in your own words, I want you to sing to that same God. Say, God, I have your way. God, I want you to rain down your presence. God, I want to experience you this morning. In your own words, church, come on. You're joining with the millions. Come on. We're joining all of creation and worshiping our God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we worship you, God. We lift up your name. You are worthy. He is worthy. King Jesus. King Jesus. You are high and lifted up in the nations. Oh, sing right down. Say right. Come on, just you. Down. All around the world we're singing right. Come on, you sing it out. Can you hear the earth is singing right? Come on, put your hands together. All the sun and silver singing
Holy Ghost, we want you to have your way, God. This morning we need a rain of your presence. God, we're empty without you, Lord. We're dry without you. And we come to you this morning as our source of strength, as our source of joy. Come on, can you just close your eyes with me? And why we do that is because sometimes we get distracted. So can we just close our eyes and just focus on who he is? Come on, all of us came here for a reason. And I believe that reason is because we desire him. Some of us are dry in this place. Come on, if you're dry, can you just tell the Lord, I'm dry. Can you fill me up? Come on, if that's you, just tell him, I'm dry, Lord. Fill me up with your presence. rebuke, oh Father God, those feelings of complacency right now. God, we rebuke distraction right now in the name of Jesus. There's a battle going on for your heart right now. Come on, there's a heaviness in your heart right now. And right now, the Lord is calling your name. Come on, we're not going to move from this place. We're not going to move. We can just sing more songs and more songs. But what we really want, God, is for you to come. So God, we desire you to come. If that's your desire, can you just raise your hands right now to the Lord? Come on, give it all up to him. Come on, when we say you reign, that means, God, we give you control. That means we give you control of everything in this moment in our lives. Come on, you reign over my situation, Lord. You reign over my relationships. Come on, you reign over my finances. You reign over my thought life. Come on, you reign, Jesus. You're the king over my life. Come on, can you tell him that? You're the king of my life, God. Like a king sits over his kingdom, you sit over my kingdom, God. I belong to you, Jesus. Come on, you talk. You talk to him. 
You reign, Jesus. You reign in my heart. We surrender. We surrender every part to you. Come on, if you got to surrender something, surrender it now. Come on, don't wait. Shana makura masera make. Shokorobo sikera mama maso. Jesus, 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 you reign. You reign, God. You reign, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, sing this again.
words were for you. Can you just talk to the Lord right now? God, I've been running from you, Lord. Lord, I'm coming your way, Jesus. I'm coming towards you. We receive your forgiveness this morning. We receive, God, reconciliation. We receive, God, the, the love that you have for us. God, we release our burdens to you. Come on, if you have a burden that you've been carrying for years, for days, for a moment, come on, if you got to lay that before the cross, come on, lay that before Jesus right now. Come on, lay it down before him, the hurt, the pain. You've heard him. He desires to carry that burden for you. Of your heart is discouraged if you're discouraged this morning come on let him encourage you let him give you strength let him give you peace this morning come on just let him do that say god that's me that's me god i receive that i receive your peace your presence this morning your love god come on tell him this morning church
morning oh God you are the one we've come to worship you are the one that we've come to magnify King of Kings Lord of Lords you are the creator of the universe you hold all things in your hand you are the great I am from everlasting to everlasting you are the bright and morning star and we worship you King Jesus Woo! glory glory and honor and power be unto your name. I want us to sing that again. And this morning, I want you to think about your freedom. See, when we first started out the worship time, Rachel highlighted the fact that nations all around the world were raising their voices in unison, were worshiping the King of Kings. But what we don't understand is the church in America seems so blind to the fact that the nations of the world, the Christians, the believers in other nations are being persecuted for doing this. They're being slaughtered because they believe in Jesus. They're losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. And I want us to sing that again this morning with voices lifted high, hands raised, glorifying the King of Kings this morning knowing that it is a privilege and an honor that we get to do that here in America. Jesus, be glorified. Everything in your life should revolve around him.
Jesus be the center. It's all about you, God. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. transition the worship to praying for our SUM Bible College and Theological Seminary students. I want to call all SUM students, if you are starting this fall, tomorrow, you are starting SUM, I want you guys to come and line up to the front because we want to pray for you. Yeah. If there are some ladies in the back that are doing child care, if we can get them, please. Make sure you spread out this way. We have two master's students, two of our elders that are pursuing their master's degree, and we have 10 students pursuing their BA in biblical studies. God has his hand upon them. They have been called to work in the fivefold ministry. SUM trains men and women that are called to the fivefold ministry apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. That's what they're going to school for. They are giving their life for the gospel to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask that you guys would spread out. And right now I want you to turn and just face the people. I want them to get a good look at you. Bible college is an honor to our church. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. These young men and some older men, and we won't talk about the women, but these awesome warriors for God are dedicating their life to be trained to be in that fivefold ministry, to be pastors, to be teachers, to be evangelists, to be prophets, and to be whatever I just forgot. Apostles. Yes, can't forget those guys. And it is a fully accredited Bible college. So that means they have to take out student loans. They have to pay to do this. It's not a Bible class. We offer that for free in our church. This is an accredited Bachelor's of Arts in Biblical Studies. As a matter of fact, the same accrediting agency of the, of the government that oversees Moody oversees SUM Bible College, the School of Urban Missions. 
And what we want to do is we want to pray for them, encourage them, pray for their families. Some are making great sacrifices to be here. For some, they haven't been in school for a while. Others, uh, they're just giving up extra time because it's also on hands training. So get a good look at them. Tell them today that you love them. And now as we pray for them, think about who you're praying for. Maybe just pray for one or two in your heart as, as they turn and face me. So uh, brothers and sisters, would you turn and face me? Let's just close our eyes. And congregation, would you stretch your hands towards them and think about all of them as one or individuals and just begin to pray for them right now as we do. Father, thank you for these 12 anointed, appointed students, God, to go for broke, selling out for you, God. I pray that each one of them God, will fulfill the call. You'll bless Tina and her son and daughter, God, as she goes to school. Be with Deanna as she goes to get her master's degree, Father. Lord, I pray for Adam. Favor on the job and with his family, Lord. Bless him. Thank you today for Jose, God, as a public school teacher. He's taking this as night classes to earn his degree, to touch a world for you. Lord, God, I thank you for Steve and his family, Lord. He'll be working full-time and going to Bible college, Lord. Give him grace in his marriage, grace with his children, grace on his job. Thank you for Brother Rudy, God his heart for evangelism. Continue to give him favor on the job. Good grades, God. He excelled last year. Let him excel this year in academics, Lord. I thank you for Brother Jose, God, making his choice to sacrifice it all this first year for you, God. I pray, Lord, he won't be intimidated by the studies. He'll jump right in. He'll catch up, God. He'll do it, Lord. You'll use him, God, to change the world as a mighty leader. Thank you for Cynthia, God, finishing her program this year, Lord. Let her do it with honor, integrity, getting the best scores, the best grades that she's ever gotten. Use her as a leader, as an administrator, God, as a preacher, as a as God, a gifted woman of God. Thank you, God, for Seth today. Anoint him. Appoint him, Lord. Let him not get discouraged, God, through the hardships he faces, Lord. Let every test become a testimony. Use his heart to change the world. Let what's different about him, God, draw people to the cross, God. Use his uniqueness and his character for you, God, in godliness and holiness. Thank you for Christina and her daughter, Lord, the sacrifice they're making. She, she has the call of an entrepreneur but also an apostle. But Lord, she has to put it first, God, the calling now, Lord. So make a way for her, her job, her family. Let the people come around and support her, Lord. We thank you for Jerry, God, and all that she's done for you, evangelism, and reaching out, Lord. Continue to bless her, Lord. Bless her on the job. Bless her with favor, God. Bless Pastor Jared as he get his master's degree, Lord. Let him excel. Let him do it, Lord, with integrity. As he leads here in that teen challenge, a drug rehab for men, Lord. Let him be a leader of leaders, Father. And I thank you for Stephanie, God. Lord, let her be used in a mighty way for you, God. Let her passion of the prophetic, the gifts of the, the, the psalmist, God, come out through her, Father. In the name of Jesus, let's just sing it together as we think of our students in the calling. Jesus, be the center of this church and this Bible college. Let this year be a year of souls, of harvest, of disciples. Come on, SUM students, let's sing it with them. They're dedicating their life to the call of God. Yes. Jesus, be the center of this year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. One more time. From my heart. From my heart. Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. Can we just bless the Lord today? Come on, it's all about Jesus.
Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you for coming today, SUM students. We love you. Don't leave until we get your group pick. And just friends and family, if you ever want to come by, they're here all day Monday. The most, uh, most of them are here all day Monday. And they have chapel between 11 and 12. So if you ever just want to bring over uh, just a gift or just want to encourage them, you're always welcome for their lunch break. Nancy's going to preach the gospel. Can we give it up for the mighty woman of God here? Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to dismiss the children at this time. So if you are five and up, we would like for you to join the children's workers. To my right or to my left, we have children's workers ready to take the children to the back. Somebody say praise God this morning. He is good. I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. If you could turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. It's also going to be up on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, work those Bibles. Amen. My message this morning is geared to those who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you are here and you are not living for God, you are not right with God, this message is for you this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21, if you're there, say, I'm there. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to let you know this morning that your salvation was won by the violence of the cross. Jesus came as a perfect, spotless lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice to take our place on that cross. He lived a perfect life and he died a violent death for you and I. He came for one reason alone. He didn't come so that we could have cars and money and houses, although those things are fine and he blesses us with those. But his one mission, the reason why Jesus came into the world was to take away our sin. That is why he came. He shed his blood on Calvary so that you and I would not have to spend eternity in hell. That is why he came. My message to those this morning who are not right with the Lord, you are not saved, you have not accepted the salvation of Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning to do so. He's not going to force you, and he's not going to beg you. Jesus did his part. It's time for you to do your part. We are not promised tomorrow. The Bible says that today is a day for salvation. And as this passage of scripture says, when you have a preacher standing up, we are ambassadors of Christ to you. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Jesus is in the business of reconciliation. He made it happen for you and I. The relationship between God and creation was broken because of sin. And if you remain in your sin, your relationship with God remains broken. You must repent, turn the other way, Turn from your sin and wickedness and say, Jesus, forgive me. Give me new life. I want to be born again. Amen? Bow your eyes, uh, close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that you came and took our place. You had no sin and yet became sin for us. All of the sins, sicknesses, and diseases of all of human history, past, present, and future, were laid upon you on Calvary, and you died so that we could live. And I pray, God, for conviction to be in this room, 
that you would begin to tug on hearts this morning. Be on the doors of hearts. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and lets me come in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart this morning and he's saying, let me in. God, I pray that you would speak to your sons and your daughters this morning. I ask God for those that have been running that they would stop running. Arrest them in the spirit right now. Holy Ghost, do what only you can do. Unveil their eyes. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Stand up with me to your feet this morning. If you said a prayer and you said, Jesus, I need you, that's all you have to say. You don't have to wait to go home and change yourself. You come as you are. There were prophetic words that came forward. Come as you are. Today is your day. And if you mean business with God and you want to get right with God and you want to save, be saved and you want to live for Jesus, we have prayer workers right here to my right, Chris and Monique, ready to pray with you. Please go and meet them. After the meet and greet, during the meet and greet time, have them pray for you. And if you want to get discipled and get plugged into our church, meet with them. Let them know, hey, I want to know what I have to do. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're going to do our confession of faith. We do this every week. It is our Christian worldview. For those of you who want a handout, please raise your hand. Kind of wave it up so our ushers can see you. If you'd like to have this in front of you, it's easier to, for you to read or follow along. We'll wait a couple seconds for you to get this. We recite this passionately every week, not out of duty or obligation, but out of passion because we believe what we are saying. We stand upon this. It is our Christian worldview. We want every visitor in this place to know it, and we want the world to know we stand upon this. Amen? On the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Make some noise this morning. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn around and shake somebody's hand, give somebody a hug this morning. Welcome them to Metro Praise International. And don't forget, if you need prayer, they are here for you.
but he is good. Last few handshakes going on in this place. How many of you guys feel the love this morning at Metro Praise International? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We welcome you here. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and we welcome you with arms open wide. We are very thankful that you have come to worship the Lord with us this morning. Our services here at Metro Praise International are every Sundays at 10 a.m. Say 10 a.m. And Fridays at 7 p.m. Elevate. It's a place for our teenagers to come and just grow in the Lord. So if you know any, please invite them. Invite your friends to come on both services, Sundays at 10 and Fridays at 7 p.m. We want to fill this place. Amen. Our vision is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us as his followers to fulfill. Say loving God and loving people. And we want to welcome all the first-time visitors. If this is your first time, we welcome you here. Thank you for joining us. If you have not received this brochure, please raise your hand up high in the air. And our ushers, somebody up front here does not have one. Our ushers will get this to you. If you could just fill out the bottom card and drop it in the, bo in the drop box, uh, that would be great. We want to keep in touch with you. Amen. Our, our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and then send you out with the cross. Say connect, mentor, send. The way we connect you is through our life groups, whether they're weekly or monthly or every other week. This handout, if you don't have one, we'll pass these out to you as well. You should have one. On the back is our life group schedule. Find one to belong to that you can call family. There's all different types of classes, a special needs-based activity, a place for you to belong and grow in your faith because we are a church of disciples that share life together. Let's say it again. We are a church of disciples that share life together. Come on. So we want to connect you to our life groups, and then we want to mentor you. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. Leaders are ready to take you through this one-on-one -on -one and help you in your walk with Christ. And then our 201, Disciples That Make Disciples. It's a class every Sunday morning where we train you to be a leader. Say, every believer should be a leader. Amen. And then we want to send you out to evangelize. There's evangelism, all types of evangelism happening throughout our week. Yes, of course, we're supposed to do it in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. But join us as we preach the gospel on the streets. And then our goal is to have 50 churches in Chicago with 100,000 disciples and then 500 churches around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. By his grace and power, we can do so. At this time, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. We're going to prepare to give to the Lord our best this morning. I'm going to be reading out of Deuteronomy 8.18. Deuteronomy 8.18. We believe here at Metro Praise that the Bible teaches that a tithe is 10% of your total income. And an offering is anything above that to the Lord, which we designate towards our building fund and missions. We are very passionate about missions. We believe that the world needs to hear about Jesus. And so we take very serious tithe and offering as the scripture teaches. And we believe that everything that we have is because of the Lord. So let's read Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. We have to remember the Lord every day of our life with everything that he blesses us with, because it's him 
that gives us the ability to produce all that we have. Amen. How many of you believe that because of God and his ability in you, the strength, your health, your vigor, you are here because of him. And God's purpose for money is to give you the resources that you need to provide for your family, uh, for the church, and to help those in need. But sometimes what happens is money becomes our trap and then it becomes an idol to us. And the best way for us to break that trap, to break the love of money off of our life, is to be a faithful tither and a faithful giver. So I want to encourage and thank those who faithfully give to the Lord. It does not go unnoticed on God's account. Everything that you do and give for the Lord, he sees. And for those that have not been faithful with a tithe and an offering, I want to challenge and encourage you, give to God your best. Follow his way of living. Because when we, pers- when we put God's business first, he takes care of our business. Amen? Stand up to your feet with me this morning as we pray. Let's recite this scripture out loud. Do we have it ready? Amen. Let's say this together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. God, we give to you our best, our tithe and our offering out of the abundance of what you've given to us. We remember you, Lord. We remember that you are the one that gives us the ability to produce all that we have in this world. And we thank you and we honor you. And I pray for all those in their jobs and businesses that they will prosper and get promotions and raises, God. I pray that you would favor your people and meet our budget this month at Metro Praise International to the glory and honor of your name that we will win souls and make disciples in Jesus name we pray amen and amen and come forward as you give this morning I am in a house today of people who love Jesus. Can I get a woo-woo? Come on. Y'all love Jesus? Say this with me. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Amen, amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. We're praising his name this morning. So good to have you here. If you're a little warm, uh, ask somebody by the fans to give you a a spot over there. Or if you need to get up while I'm preaching, stand in front of one of the fans. I know it's a little hot. So be patient with us, please. Uh, I actually went to the gym the other day, and I saw this fan that was like the size of an airplane propeller. So I think next year, somebody say, upgrade. So like during the middle of the preaching, but we'll be cool. Are y'all okay right now at least? Most of you, okay. If not, fake it till you make it uh, or fan yourself or something. Just aren't you glad there's deodorant, right? 
Deodorant is good on days like today. We got so many great things coming up. Next month, we're starting a new series on soul winning. It's called Preach. Somebody say, Preach. Amen. I want you to come next month expecting to be trained in how to preach and share the gospel. And all during the month, just like with this month, we are doing daily devotions at lifechangingdevotions.com. You can check it out right now. This whole series about your life of purpose this month, I've been doing daily devotions. Coming to your email or you can check out the website. And starting next month, we'll be talking about preaching the gospel. These are just some powerful pictures from the Boricua Fest. And I just saw Sister Lily. Uh, holding on to this woman right here as she got prayed for. I believe she was led to the Lord. Is Sister Lily here? She's in the back with the children. We'll just, was this woman led to the Lord? By faith she was. Come on, amen. But it's such a precious picture. And if you look at these pictures, you've got young and old alike, all different nationalities preaching the gospel. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I'm giving you a head start to get rid of all your fear, all of your excuses, and come get trained next week. Amen? And if the church is half empty, we know where you live. Those little offering envelopes, you put your address, that's why. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but today we're going to be finishing up our series on the life of purpose. Has anybody been encouraged by the sermons from the life of purpose? Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, it's just been a blessing for me to, to talk about this series and the devotions. Man, if any month you need to check out the devotions, it's for this month. Because obviously I can't talk about everything in life in a Sunday service, though I try. I think I preached an hour and a half last week, you know. I tries. But uh, literally on the devotional, everything is covered. Like today's devotion is, how much stuff is enough? You ever feel like sometimes you have too much stuff? Got to have a garage sale to sell it to buy what? More stuff. Yeah, we have problems with stuff. So, you know, that's the devotion today. We've talked about marriage and kids and all that. But here on Sundays, and you can always check out the website for the, the messages, mpichurch.org, uh, the first week we talked about knowing God, that if you know God, you know your purpose. And we talked about Paul going before pagans, those who didn't believe in the God of the Bible. And his central message was, your God is false, my God is real. How do I know? Jesus raised from the dead. So you have a faith that's not like throwing a quarter into a wishing well saying, I hope. Your faith is grounded on fact. Some may say reasonable faith. Amen. Thank you. So the life of purpose comes through your faith in God. And if you know the maker of your car, you can get that car fixed, right? That maker knows how to fix it. I love Apple products. You know why? Because when it breaks, I go to the Apple dealer. Think about your computer. When your Dell computer breaks, do you go to the Dell store? More than likely not. When your HP computer breaks, you know, Apple should give me a little money for this plug right here, but track with me. When those computers break, no, what do you do? You go to the, uh, the Geek Squad. They're at Best Buy, and this is what I would have to do. And they have to go what? Order the parts and all of these things. No offense to anybody that works there. But you know what I love about Apple? They make the product, and they support the product. So I call them up, make an appointment. I say, I'll be in there around 12. Okay, come in. I bring in my product. They go, oh, yeah, we got that. Bing, bing, pow, ping. And it comes back brand spanking new. Now, not just to plug Apple, though I like the, uh, their quality of products. Think about that when it comes to your life. You don't need to ask your mother, brother, sister about your purpose in life. Go directly to God and boom, ping, pow. He'll give you the purpose for your life. He does that. He, lo he loves to talk to people. As a matter of fact, he's quite, he's quite talkative. You'll notice it. Has anybody here have a prayer life? I don't know if everybody does. So look at your neighbor and go, neighbor, get alive. A prayer life. That's right. Get a life. A prayer life. 
And then we did our awesome baptism ceremony, and we just celebrated that conference during that time. But last week, we talked about God's purpose for sex. You know, I could only pick so many messages in this series because I knew we had the conference, so I could only pick three. You know, I mean, summarizing your whole life is a hard thing to do, you know. So I picked three messages. Today, I'll tell you what it is in just a minute. But uh, when I thought about the biggest struggle that people have in life, it's with S-E what? X. And what does that spell? Sex, yes. So I spent all last week talking about sex, and uh, it was intense. Did anybody get blessed by the message? Did some of you all feel like you were drinking water out of a fire hydrant? Oh, slow down, Pastor. Woo, it was tight, but it was Right, amen, we had a good time, and I gave so many stats about uh, sex before marriage and what's going on with STDs, yeah, we talked about group sex, we got into adultery and marriage and how they're falling apart, so uh, if you know anybody that is a person, a human being, you should send this message to. I was going to say, if you know anybody that struggles with sex, send it to them, but you know what, everybody needs this message. We talked about pornography, we talked about how uh, the stats are going up for affairs with 60-year-olds. You know, grandparents are getting Viagra, watching, you know, TV and saying, hey, I can do that, you know. And we just, we, we, we put it all under the word of God. And what was that one sentence? God said, in the beginning, he created them what? Male and female, that he should leave his family and be joined to his wife, and that what God joins together, let no man tear apart or tear asunder. Do you know that that one verse of the Bible answers every question we've had in our age with sexual uh, sexuality? It answers every question. Can I have multiple women? No, you just have one. Can I have sex before I'm married? No, you got to have sex to be married. Can I have uh, pornography sex with myself? Everybody goes, that's gross. No, you can't have sex with yourself. That's dirty. Have sex in marriage. Oh, can I get divorced and have a new partner? No, stay married to the one that you got. See, it's pretty simple. Can I have sex with the same sex? And the answer is no, I can't have sex with the same sex. God didn't create male and male. He created male and female. And we talked about this. And one of the, the most uh, horrifying, sh- shocking things that we're finding out right now is that uh, they're handing out condoms to 11-year-olds in fifth grade. And it's already become an epidemic that they say one out of two young adults will catch an STD by the time they're 25. And then we talked about single, uh, single parents and mostly single moms. And that fatherless homes struggle more than two parent homes. And we pray for our single moms. We love our single moms. Everybody go, woo, woo. See, single moms, that was for you. Woo, woo. One more time. Woo, woo. We love our single moms. But come on, if that man could make the baby, he needs to take care of the baby and raise the baby and be a man with the baby. Amen? All the men go, woo, woo. Okay, ladies, those are the men you want right there. If you're single and ready to mingle. You find one of them men right there. Now today's message, to close it up, as I was uh, just praying, what can I talk about today? We're going to talk today about serving others. Serving others. I believe one of the biggest challenges you'll have in discovering your purpose is the challenge to serve others. Many times what we struggle with the most is our own selfishness and self-centeredness. But if we can learn to prefer others above ourselves and help others, we'll be successful in all that we do. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. And we're going to demonstrate this today in a powerful way about serving others. Do you know that customers come to your, your job to be served? And if you can serve them, you'll have the customer come back. Do you know that in marriage, if we serve each other, husbands with wives, wives with husbands, we'll have a happy life? Happy wife, happy 
life, and that comes through serving each other. Hey, kids, hey, young people, welcome to church. Guess what? If you clean your room and serve your parents, guess what? Life's going to go good for you. Parents love blessing kids that do good, right? Amen. And how about this? If we all served God and served each other in this church, wouldn't this be a better place as we grow to 200, 300, 400? If we all served each other, instead of having our chairs marked out, ah, excuse me, this is my chair. You're sitting in my chair Sunday morning. I'm sorry, it's marked for me. You know, uh, you know wouldn't we love church instead of gossiping about each other and then talking about each other? We want a kind of church that serves each other, don't we? It's all about serving others. As a matter of fact, Jesus... God in the flesh served you. Did you know that? Did you know that by Jesus coming in the flesh, laying down his life, he served you? He served it unto God, and we're going to talk about that, that all we do for others is really for God, but others are involved. When we serve God, we can't do it without serving others. Write that down. That's good. We can't serve God without serving God. Others, you can't do it. The moment you say, I love God, he's going to say, you got to love some people. And the moment you start loving people, you're going to realize how unloving they are. Most people don't want to love you back in return. Most customers don't say thank you after you worked hard for them. Most people, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't. So we have got to be on another level we have got to be like christ who serves the people that don't even deserve it how about this love your enemies love your enemies take care of people who don't take care of you you know we're supposed to help others even if they don't help us we're supposed to do unto them as we would want done unto us. We're not to do unto others as they've done unto us. Haven't we come through a come into a time in our culture where it's like an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth again? You know, like you're trying to get in, uh, you know, into traffic, you know, merge into the lane. They don't let you merge over. So finally, when you get up into that lane, you're like slamming on the brakes. You're like, take that, take that. You know, you're like, you're like trying to like get them to, you know, bump into your car so you can get a free check or something. Hello. I don't know if anybody's done that, you know, but, but in traffic, it's like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Oh, you don't let me in? Well, I'm going to go slow now. Same thing on the job. You know, somebody comes in with an attitude. Well, you got an attitude. Oh, snap. It's going down right now. I got an attitude. You want me to go there? I'm going to go there. You know, girls taking off their earrings, slicking back their hair. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? We, we all have a line. Think the thing about this. We all have a line that once it's crossed, we say, you don't deserve the golden rule no more. You cross that line, no more golden rule for you. This is now the ghetto rule right now. This is called slap you in the face rule. I'm going to give you this much grace. You cross it, it's on. But what I love about Jesus, and we're going to read the whole passage today about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. When we look at Jesus, he washed Judas's feet. He washed Peter's feet, and Peter betrayed him how many times? Three times. He washed his disciples' feet, and we need to serve people like this.
It doesn't matter who they are or what they do to us. We need to serve them. I didn't say be their doormat. I said serve them. Sometimes the best thing you can say is no. When a homeless person asks me for money, I say no, but I'll buy you something to eat because I don't want to uh, keep them in a drug addiction. We'll bring them to Teen Challenge. So I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying being people's personal slaves. I'm saying serve people. And the definition of serving people is doing good unto them when it's in your power to do so. When it's in your power to serve, do it. Help people. So let's say you today can't help 100 people, but you can help one. Maybe somebody needs a ride home from church. See, that's serving. Of course, we couldn't expect you to take everybody home, but what you can do, do. John Wesley, the preacher from uh, the 1700s, the Methodist revival came from this heart of serving. He said, do all the goods you can to as many people as you can, as long as you can and whenever you can. Do the best you can do. Are you guys ready to read it? Say amen. Look at John chapter 13. We're going to read the whole passage. It was just before the Passover festival, starting in verse 1. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. He was already put it into his heart. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus ain't sweating it. And that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a bath, Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus answered, those who have a, had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that, that is why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he said? Do you understand? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves. Do we understand what Jesus did for us? Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, verily, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Somebody say, do it. That's what we're going to do today. We're washing your feet. We're going to wash every person's feet in this church today to serve you so that you may Go out and be a servant. We want you to see today the example of this church serving its leadership and its leadership serving you. 
Some of you might say to yourself, Pastor, this might be a woman speaking, God forbid if it's a guy, but women might be saying, I don't want nobody to see my feet. I didn't get a petty. I would challenge you today not to let that be your excuse because God commanded us to do it. God commanded us to do it. We are here to wash one another's feet. In the culture of Jesus' time 2,000 years ago, the foot washing was done by the lowest servant or the youngest servant at the totem pole. These servants would come and expect to wash the feet of these men and women who walked with sandals in an agricultural culture that had dung and dirt mixed together. These servants came expecting. It wasn't a surprise. They came expecting to find stinky feet, feet with dirt and dung residue all over it. But nonetheless, they did it. And that was their assignment. And so when Jesus rises from the table at Passover, this is like the biggest celebration the Jewish people would have when Jesus, the guest of honor, the Son of God in the flesh, took off his robe. He wasn't shirtless. They wore uh, like a T-shirt underneath the robe. So it wasn't like Jesus like became Fabio, you know, if you were wondering. I don't know if anybody else was wondering. Sorry that I was wondering because it doesn't look like you guys caught that. Since he took off his robe, okay, he had a shirt underneath. But he takes off his suit, as it were, and now he has on his T-shirt and shorts. He has on his casual clothes. And he got down on his knees and began to wash his disciples' feet. And what we begin to realize at this point is that Peter, like most of us, has a reaction that says, this is backwards. Jesus, you can't wash my feet. This is the job of the lowest servant. This is the lowest totem pole. This is the worst job in the house. Jesus, you can't do this. We're supposed to wash your feet. We're supposed to take care of you. You're our Lord and Savior. You see, I've been to India, and in India they have a culture of gurus there where men claim to be God. But unlike Jesus, these men who claim to be God, these Maharishis or these different yogis that walk around, they get treated totally different. They get treated like God. They get roses put around their hands all the time. They get their whole body, not just their feet cleansed. They get washed by their disciples. Could you imagine if you had to wash me today? I'm being serious. They, they literally are fanned while the, the preaching is going on. I've seen it in person. These yogis are treated like God upon the earth and given all of these special privileges. But you know, not our God. See, our God came to love his creation. He actually said in another place, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I didn't come for you to treat me like who I already know I am. I've come to save you because you don't know who you are. See, when Jesus was on the earth, he knew it was about man's heart and man that needed to be saved. He already had glory in heaven, and, and he didn't need our glory to give to him our worship. Sometimes people think Jesus is self-centered because he wants us to worship him. Listen to me, baby. He could make dancing angels and send us all to hell and still be God. He don't need you. He's God all by himself. He gives you the privilege of worshiping him because worship to him will change and transform your life. Once you understand the principle of praises going up and blessings coming down, you'll be the first one to hit your knees, clap your hands, and say hallelujah because worship is on a transformational level for you as you give it back to him. Are you all tracking with me?
Just think about all the parents here with your kids. I don't need my kids to say, thank you, I still got a job. I don't need them to be nice to me because I still got a house. But when they say thank you, when they say nice things and they're obedient, I bless them, I favor them. God don't need us, we need God. Get it right. But I love our Jesus in the Bible. He could have been like that. And rightly so. He was God. Not like these men who die, get buried, and they go to their grave like Buddha and keep decorating their grave. By the way, Buddha came from Hindu religion. He was a guru to the Hindu faith. Many don't know that. He was an offshoot of Hinduism. So you think of how Buddha was treated and how these statues and idols, but Jesus is exactly the opposite. Jesus comes to serve. Jesus comes to die on a cross. Could you put up that picture so we can get the image from this movie, this depiction of it? This is how Jesus came, to die, to suffer, so that we might be saved. You see, we needed not only our feet cleaned, but our whole lives cleaned. And when Peter said no, what he was actually doing was acting out of pride. You know, it's easy for you to get caught up in this kind of Peace Corps attitude when you become a part of the church and I'm just helping people, I'm helping people. But the moment someone wants to help you and serve you in a humble way, you'll begin to see another sense of pride you didn't think you had. For example, I'll be the first one to compliment people in the church. Thank you, brother, for the, for the illustration. I'll be the first one to come up to somebody and say, hey, you're doing awesome. You're doing well. But the moment somebody says it to me, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just the... But you know what that is? That's a form of pride. You see, there's a self-abasing pride that says, no, no, I'm not good enough. No, I'm not good. No, not me. And then there's a self-exalting pride. Oh, everybody talk about me. Everybody talk about me. And, and sometimes we only focus on the pride that, that, that's uplifted in ourselves, and we always focus on that. But we don't focus on the pride of insecurity. We don't focus on the pride of putting ourselves down. Do you know that when you put yourself down, that's prideful? Because you're not saying who God said you were. He said you're beautiful. He said you're blessed. You say you're ugly and a loser. That's pride. See, the definition of humble is believing whatever God said. If he called you to be a leader, it's not prideful to say I'm a disciple that makes disciples. That's telling the truth. Is it prideful to call myself a man? Is it prideful? Y'all looking at me crazy. Do you, do you know who I am? Okay, hello. So is it prideful to say I'm a man? No. Is it prideful to say I'm a father? No, those are titles about who I am. It's the truth. For me to say otherwise would be a lie. Is it prideful for me to say I've been forgiven of all my sins? Is it prideful to say that Jesus Christ loves me? Is it prideful for me to say I'm blessed, too blessed to be stressed? may not always be easy or true, but I am. I may not always act like it, but it's true. So here's the question. Do we believe who he says we are? Because Peter, he says, no, you can't wash my feet. And then Jesus said to him, and this is a word to everybody here today, and I say it challenging to you, that if you don't want your feet washed as we're commanded to do in his name, Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So unless, ladies, you let us wash your feet without any condo bondo to your petty, men without that funk getting in the way, you just putting them in the water, we'll pray for God to heal it. Without that becoming an excuse, if you, if you, let's put it this way, if you let that become an excuse, you have no part of Christ. Because you are to be able to let your leaders wash your feet today.
You don't owe us anything. You shouldn't feel uncomfortable with that. If you do, then maybe you're dealing with a self-abasing pride. Just like Peter was dealing with saying, no, I couldn't let Jesus wash my feet. I couldn't let my pastor wash my feet. I can't let my leaders wash my feet. No, then you're dealing with a self-abasing pride. We want to wash your feet. We want to be your servants. We want the privilege of serving you. We want the church to be the first place that the culture and community we live in learns servanthood. I want the young people to not look to little Wayne and his pride or to the entertainment industry as pride. I want them to look to their pastors as humility and an example of what real men do. Could you imagine that? Little Wayne washing the feet of the band or the producers, behind-the-scene workers that make his music great. It would be unimaginable. But yet he's a fool not to do so because when we ever see the quarterback get exalted, when we see the musician get exalted, when we see the CEO like Apple get exalted, do you know that standing behind them is hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of servants, people working together? Even in the sinner's world, even in the world of sin, people have to serve one another to get a job done. And yet in the church, I would dare to say that this in the church for the Christian is one of the hardest deal-breaking things I've ever seen. We deal with this so bad that the moment we bring it up, people already have bad memories of when they got abused, when someone asked them to serve, but they weren't being treated correctly. See, we as pastors, I have to start by saying, forgive me if I have never, if I have uh, not always shown you the example of a servant. Look at me, please. Forgive me if I've ever appeared to you that I'm better than you. If I have ever appeared that I am over you in the quality of my person. I may have a position of leadership here, but if I've ever appeared to be a better person than you, forgive me. And for any church, any leadership, anything that you've ever been a part of where you've been abused by leadership and it wasn't Christ-like, on behalf of them, I say to you today, I'm sorry. Pastors make mistakes. Forgive leadership. We call these wounded warriors, people in churches who have been wounded by leadership, wounded by church, and they don't see it anymore as a blessing to be a servant. But no matter what, we're all called to be servants. And you want to know how Jesus could get down and wash people's stinky feet? Look at the key verse right here. Look at what it says in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, number one. And number two, that he had come from God and was returning to God, two and three. Look at that. Number one, he knew that all power had been given to him by God. Number two, he, he knew where he came from. Number three, where he was going. Number one, Jesus knew all power was his. Number two, he knew where he had come from. And number three, he knew where he was going. You know who make the best servants? And we're just talking across the board. We're starting today in church, but I pray this goes into your everyday life. You know who makes the best servants? Those who know what power and authority they've already been given. Your title, your job, your position never dictates your identity. Some of you with this economy, you've had to take different types of jobs. Maybe you were used to being a boss, an owner, a manager, a high-ranking official in your job, but now you're something less than that. Listen to me. You're still the same person. 
Just because a title has changed, just because a bracket of income has changed, just because you've had to downside, your identity hasn't changed. Write this down. My situation will never dictate my identity. Write that down and believe it. Jesus understood. Even if I get down on my knees and wash their feet, I'm still the son of God. I still have all the power. Just because I serve you doesn't mean I change who I am. Sometimes we want to exert our power to show we have it. Now, I asked you the example before. If I say I'm a man, is that, is that a prideful statement? No. If I say I'm a father, is that a prideful statement? No. But if I walk into my house, pull up my belt, and go, I'm a man, baby. You better listen to me, all y'all in here. I'm the daddy of this house. Who's your daddy, kids? And by the way, I talk like that when I'm at home. My wife will tell you. It's like you are a southern black man trapped in a white Italian body. How did that happen? And I'm like, I lived in this house too long. They just messed me up. Okay, anyways. If I come home and I go, who's your daddy? I'm the man. See, that's pride because what am I doing? I am now exerting my power to fill the low self-esteem I have of my identity. When you have low self-esteem and you find yourself trying to force your identity on people, that's not their fault. That's your fault. I go around the city. Not everybody recognizes me as a pastor. Not, anybody, not everybody wants to call me a pastor. I remember meeting one Catholic person out here, and they cussed me out and said, You're no pastor. Look at you wearing T-shirt on the street talking about Jesus. My priest would never do that. And I pointed to the church like, That's a disgusting-looking church. So I get talked to sometimes. And they go, I go to a cathedral. And they had this big, uh, you know, like golden uh, cross on their neck and they just basically told me I was nothing compared to their priest I said but I'm like Jesus if your priest is not on the street doing what Jesus did he's nothing like Jesus and your cross and your religion means nothing you see what he said about me did not change my identity I'm a man of God and that's the first thing we have to learn when we serve each other when I wash your feet today I'm not saying everything you do is right I'm not saying you get to be in control of this church. I'm not saying that I'm going to get on your agenda and do whatever you want to do in life. No, when I'm washing your feet, what I'm saying to you is, how may I serve you? How may I help your God-giving purpose? How can I do what God wants in your life? How can I do a good thing for you and my ability? That's what I'm saying. And of course, for Jesus, what he was saying is, I'll save your soul. You let me wash your feet. And then, of course, you got to love Peter. He goes, well, just give me a bath, Jesus. If we're getting washed, come on, somebody. Let's get out. Let's have a spa for Jesus. Let's get out the cucumbers. You know, let's just be laying down, massage. we got some, you know, uh, physical therapists here and different things. See, but what did he do? He missed the point. He thought that he needed a physical washing, like a baptism. Because the Jews would wash themselves all the time to pray. Muslims still do this to this day. They have to wash their ears, wash their nose, wash private parts of their body, and then they pray. It's called ritualistic washing. And, and he was beginning to think, okay, well, if you're going to wash my feet, well, then, you know, wash the rest of me, wash my head. They would do this as a part of their tradition of prayer. And then he gives the, Jesus gives the revelation. And look at it right here as he reads it. He says right here, those, verse 10, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. What does this say? If you've already been saved, you don't have to get saved again. But you need to be a servant. And you need to let people serve you. 
and you need to serve others. We're not saying this is the basis of your salvation. I'm not saying that you can't go to heaven without having your feet washed or you can't go to heaven without, you know, being a servant. But you'll be disobedient to Christ if you do. And then the Bible says at one point, if you keep being disobedient, your heart will become hard. And that disobedient heart will turn you from Christ. That's why he said if you don't allow it to happen, he'll then say you're none of his. But it would be a gradual process. It would be something. See, back, it's just like I said last week. Affairs don't happen at the day of the affair. Like, hey, babe, you want to meet me at Motel 8? How did he have her number? Right? Did you ever think about that? See, affairs don't start the day we go to Motel 8. It started the day they got the guy got the number. It started the day. Uh, they got a text and they started talking back and forth. It started before they uh, even got together when they were looking at pornography and having fantasy. So then when someone came into their life to fulfill the fantasy, it could build up to that day at the hotels. Everybody tracking with me? And backsliding, becoming dirty after you've been washed with a bath is the same thing. Now, you know you can go a day without a shower, right? You could probably go two days. How many know you start going a week without a shower? Somebody got to pray for you, right? It's like, man, oh, Jesus, help him, Lord. Lord, help him get a bath, Jesus. So some of you might say, Pastor, you know what? I'm not really ready to serve God. I don't want to do that right now. And you might walk out of here and seem to be okay. You may walk out of here and seem to be looking all right. But as time goes on, if you don't learn the principle of being obedient to God, the world in its filth and its dirtiness will cause your heart to backslide from Christ. That's why we are to always be obedient to Christ. Peter needed to be obedient. Nothing more, nothing less. Just do what Jesus says. Don't add to it. Don't take away. Somebody say, do it. Amen. The second thing is that we learn about why Jesus could do this is he knew where he had come from. If you look at verse 3, it said all things are under his power and that he knew he came from God. The reason why I can wash your feet today as a servant and to love you and to tell you it's my honor to help you in life in any way I can is because I know where I've come from. You see, Jesus had his identity in the Father, he knew he was the Son of God. He didn't have to worry about anybody making fun of that or taking that away from him. The Bible said when they tried to put shame on him at the cross and embarrass him, could you imagine being stripped naked, beaten, hung up? That'd be a little embarrassing. The Bible says in Hebrews, he despised the shame. He said, I ain't going to let you shame me. I'm not going to get embarrassed out of this. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. Now, how much more us who have been forgiven of sin, who know the past that we've been saved from, how much more knowing our past should we be motivated to serve and help one another? If you really knew who you were before, if you knew the sins you used to do, if you can be honest with yourself, you'll have no problem washing somebody's feet or having your feet washed. Why? Because you know who you were. Think of it like this today. When I wash your feet, I consider it an honor because I was arrested three times. I was a high school dropout at the age of 16. I was selling drugs. I had friends that died because of their lifestyle. Some committed suicide and some are still in jail today. When Christ tells me to wash your feet, I know where I came from. I'm just happy to be alive serving Jesus. 
I remember one day when I was uh, praying about going to Pakistan. We were taking a mission trip to Pakistan. And Pakistan at this point was, was suffering persecution to Christians, uh, was persecuting Christians. And, and I had my two children, and we were wanting to have Lucas, our third. And I began to pray to the Lord, and I said, God, do you want me to go? And he said, I want you to go. And I said, God, but I'm afraid I'll die over there because I've seen beheading videos where the jihadists catch the missionaries or catch the people. And, and, and uh, I, I probably should never have watched it, but it scarred me because uh, I just watched them behead this one Chinese missionary. And he was screaming out for help. It was, it was terrible. And this fear gripped me. And I said, God, what if they, what if they behead me? Because you see what's going on in Egypt right now, don't you? They're burning churches. Hello, this is the real deal. I said, God, I got a house. I've got two kids. What if I die? And the Lord told me what I'm going to tell you right now. He said, you almost died when the gun was pulled to your head. And I had it happen when I was 18. And you almost died the time you overdosed on crystal meth. But I kept you alive. And he said, if you would have died either one of those times, you would have went to hell. And you would have been separated from me in forever torment. It's Jesus talking to me. And he said, you would scream out to me, give me another chance because I hear those screams now. The Lord speaking to me. He says, I hear those screams now. Give me another chance because the Bible says they're not cast into the lake of fire yet. They're in hell. He can hear them screaming out. And he said, you would have begged me just like the rich man in the parable just for one more chance. And he told me, he said, now that I've given you those two chances, how dare you take the blessings I've given you as an excuse not to serve me. And he said, if your life was lost in Pakistan, was I not good to you? That's what the Lord told me. If I, if I allowed you to die for my namesake, because Jesus died, the disciples were murdered, over 100,000 Christians die a year in martyrdom. You're seeing it right now in Syria and Egypt. It happens, friends. Would you complain? And with tears coming down my eyes, I said, no, Lord. And then he told me the parable of what's called the unworthy servant or the unprofitable servant, where it says a man hired a servant. He worked in the field all day. And when the servant came in, the, 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 man, the manager said, feed me before you feed yourself. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. After you've done everything that you've done, if I ask you to do one more thing, you still do it because I'm worth it. And you say that to people in the world, they don't get it. Because you know what? They have so much pride about who they are. They have so much self-exalting pride. They have no idea that they were lost without Christ. Because if you knew who you were in God's eyes, in the past tense, you could serve people today. Because you would just be grateful to be alive. Just to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Just to have breath in your lungs today. You would be so thankful. And if he asked you to wash a thousand feet, you would do it. Because you know where you came from. It's those who don't have an honest understanding of where they came from that can't wash people's feet. And then lastly, Jesus knew where he was going. You see, I know where I'm going when I die. I go to heaven. So I want you to go with me. And if me washing your feet today helps give the illustration of Christ and humility to you to help knock down that pride of your life or help inspire you to serve others. If I can assist you in this journey, it's my honor because I'm going to heaven. I know where I'm going. I want you to meet me there. Now ask yourself these questions as the uh, men get ready 
for the foot washing. They're going to start bringing up the chairs and everything. Ask yourself this question. Number one, will I allow someone to wash my feet? Will I allow someone to serve me today? That's putting yourself in the place of Peter. Will you allow yourself to be served? We're not giving because we're expecting something back. We're giving because we want you to be loved today. Jesus said at the end of this passage, do this in remembrance of me. Do this because I did it for you. The second person I want you to put yourself into the shoes of is the shoes of Jesus. Will you wash others' feet? Will you wash others' feet? Because Peter was the one at one point getting his feet washed. But then as he went throughout his life, he washed others' feet. When we talk about washing feet today, you could symbolize washing people's feet not only literally, but in all the areas of life that you're called to be a servant. Washing your wife's feet by washing the dishes, buying groceries, and helping out around the home, gentlemen. Wives, washing your husband's feet by complimenting him, encouraging him, supporting him in his dreams. Young people, washing the feet of your parents by being obedient to their wishes and their desires. Does everybody get the point that washing feet translates into our everyday life? Do you get it? Don't get distracted by the chairs. Look at me, please. Washing feet translates into a life of servitude wherever we go. Have you ever gotten that kind of American self-centered attitude? I know I've dealt with it. And you're out at a restaurant, and before you know it, you don't care about the waiter's feelings anymore. You ever been there? And all of a sudden, you're like, bring me my water. This is not right. Send it back. And have you ever stopped, has the Lord ever convicted some of you and said, stop and look at that waiter, the one you just treated like that? God's done that to me. And I've stopped and I've looked at them. And I've had to apologize and say, man, I'm so sorry I treated you like that. I've had to go back to the post office and apologize before. You know why? Because God says, I'm here to serve people, Joe. I'm here to serve people. See, we're here to serve people. Jesus was here to serve people. If we think because we're paying a waitress a certain amount of money or a tip to, to eat their food, that we don't have to be kind to them, that we don't have to be patient to them, we're people of pride. If we don't think we need to serve our employees, bosses, how many bosses do I have here? Managers. I'm a boss. I'm a manager. I understand. Listen, if I ever think that it's not my job to serve Adam, but it's Adam's job to serve me, take away the pulpit from me. Take away the microphone. I've become a dictator, not a leader. The way we become great in this world according to Christ is not the way the world becomes great. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it like this, in the world, the greatest among you are those who are in charge, and they lord it over you. You ever been to Beverly Hills? You ever been to San Francisco? You ever been downtown Michigan Avenue, shopped in a nice store? You'll see people lord over you, their money, snobbery. He said, in this world, that's how they do it. Politicians, people with money, they lord over you. He said, but not in my kingdom. 
the greatest among you will be the servants of all. Is that in the Bible or did I just make that up? Jesus said, you've seen it done like this by people in the world, but that's not how it will be among you. At one point, James and John, the brothers of Jesus, they came up to him with, it, with their mom. I mean, come on, you know you want a favor if you bring your mom along. These two disciples brought their mom along and said, Hey, Jesus, we got a favor to ask you. We want to ask you something. And, and Jesus goes, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, what do you want? And, and they said, Well, when you get to your kingdom, can we sit on the right and the left? Oh, come on, somebody. I mean, that's not pride or what, but you know you'd be thinking the same thing. You know, don't pretend you wouldn't be thinking the same thing. You're hanging out with the king of the universe. Hey, Jesus, when we get up there, can I get a nice whip? Can I get a nice ride? Jesus, can I get a match? We all think this way. What do we get out of it? You know how many people have come to these altars saying, pray for me for a new house, pray for my job. I hardly ever hear anybody come to these altars and say, pray for me to be a servant. Pray for me to serve my husband. Pray for me to serve my wife. Pray for me to be a better employee on my job. Pray for me to be a better servant in this church. Can't even count maybe on one hand the amount of times I've heard, heard that prayer request. But it's always make me great, make me this. You know what Jesus did? Jesus called over one of the little children. And he said, these are the greatest. Have faith in a heart like them. If you've raised obedient children, you know what I'm talking I have to include obedient in there. My children will be obedient even to the point where it scares me how obedient they'll be. I'll say, Bethany, don't move until I get back. And she'll literally just stay right there. These are obedient children. They're not always. And I said to Bethany, okay, spit out your gum. Okay, Bethany, you need to eat this. She'll eat it. You know, God forbid if I was a bad parent giving her poison, right? God forbid. But look at their simple trust. Dad says eat. Okay. Dad says time to go to bed. Okay. Dad says spit that out. I'm going to choke. Hannah almost choked on Laffy Taffy yesterday. Spit it out. You're going to choke. And God is saying, do you trust me like that? Date that person. No, get away from that person. Don't watch that. Don't go there. No, spend your time here. Spend your money here. Do we want to hear that from God? Are we like his children? You see, that's what he's looking for. As we get ready to wash some feet up in here, I want you to think about those two things. Am I like Peter today who's refusing to get my feet washed because I don't understand? Well, then let's get the right understanding. Or can I be like Jesus when I leave out this place and serve people in honor and integrity? I want you to turn with me Philippians chapter 2 before we start to wash feet, and I'll share with you how we'll do it. Uh, Rachel, would you come, please? We're honored to serve you. Philippians chapter 2. This is going to be awesome. So excited about this. Adam, can you do me a favor, lower down this mic stand and, and uh, help me move this up here? As you're turning there, please look up at me as we get ready to close out today. The church is here to serve people. And we're to be the first examples. Because if we're the best disciples here, we'll be the best disciples in our families and on our jobs and in our high schools. Children at their homes. Like I've said before, I've never met a boss that said, hey, 
we want to hire you, but we just want to make sure first you're going to steal from us. Are you going to steal? We're just looking for thieves. Remember, I've given you that example. I've never met a boss that said, hey, uh, before we hire you, we just want to make sure you have a really sassy temper and you're going to lose it from time to time and cuss people out because that's really what we're looking for around here. You know, I've never heard of a boss that, to say, uh, you know, hey, are you willing to, you know, leave early and clock out and do just the minimum you have to do to get by? Because we're really just looking for lazy people around here. We just can't get enough of them. No, bosses are never like that. They always say, we want the people of integrity. We want the people that are going to work the best, have the greatest heart. Well, shouldn't we learn that here? Shouldn't politicians learn to do this? What if politicians, what if Mayor Rahm Emanuel brought together his staff and televised him washing their feet, saying, I'm just a servant, elected official here to serve the people of this city, and I just want to help and do my part. I'm just a nobody serving a big somebody, telling everybody about him. What if government officials started acting like they trusted in a big God instead of their small plans? What if bosses came around and washed everyone man just think about this imagine if your boss tomorrow said guys before we start work just want to wash all your feet you call me boss and that's rightly so but I want to be a servant to you I want to make you great at this company and by doing that we'll have a job 10, 15, 20 years down the road what if husbands and wives washed each other's feet? Do you get the point? It translates into everything we do. Now look at the attitude, because you've got to have the right attitude. How could Jesus know about the power, where he came from, where he was going? Somebody say he had the right attitude. Thank you. Philippians 2, 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any, anything in common and sharing the spirit, if any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Everybody say like-minded. Thank you. Having the same love, being one in spirit, one of mine. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Nothing on the job. Nothing in the government. Nothing in your home. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Because that's how Enron's happen. That's how political things get corrupted. That's how families end up divorce. Do we understand we're not to be selfish? Selfishness hurts people. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. Not to your own interest, but look to the interests of others. How can I make a better product for others? How can I serve this customer? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my family? How can I look to the interest of others? In your relationships with one another. Listen to what it says. In your relationships with one another. Everywhere you go, have the mindset of Christ Jesus. Have the attitude. That's literally what it means. Have the attitude of Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross therefore God exalted him see he knew where he was going exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Pastoral staff, would you guys come? We want you to sit in couples. Nancy, would you help me with the staff that may be in the back? We're going to wash our staff's feet. This is how we're going to end today. Service will end when you leave now. It's up to you when you leave. This is what we're going to do. Just sit, Berto, Griselda, Chris, Vanessa, Adam, Jared, Sue Ellen. Boom. These are our pastors. Nancy and I are going to wash their feet in front of you, and we're going to pray for them. We're going to love on them. We're going to let them know how much we care about them. To save time, guys, if you could get barefoot and those who are going to get their feet washed in a moment, we'll let them dogs out. But this is what we're going to do. So you know, because we always end around 12, this is what we're going to do. So it ends when you leave. Here it is. I'm going to wash their feet. And then they, with us, are going to wash the elders and deacons' feet. And then we're going to wash everybody's feet today. While we do that, I've asked Rachel just to sing and worship and go after God. We're asking you to stay until we wash your feet because we want to pray for you. We want to commit our servanthood to you, that we are your servants, and we want to bless you today. If you have to go and you already had plans, there is no condemnation. You can go. We're not locking the door. If you have to go, there's no one to, to stop you. But I would at least ask that you would stay until I finish washing our pastor's feet so that you would know our heart for these awesome men and women of God. Amen. Father, thank you today for this service. We pray that you will bless each one of them everyone here that heard the word today and may we all be servants oh God servants of all in Jesus name can somebody say amen Rachel just hold off on singing until I wash these pastors feet Pastor Berto we just want to bless you today as we wash your feet and thank the Lord for everything that you've done for this church and every mighty work that you've served, every person that you've helped. just want to bless you today, mighty man of God. That God would bless you on your job. That your family would grow to be strong. That baby Evan would be a mighty man of God. That he would see Jesus in you every day. And that the people that come into your home for Bible studies would see the humble heart that you have and that they would devote their life to Christ from your example and that one day you'll look back on these early years as some of the most precious years of your life as you served God in humility. Griselda, I just pray that God will continue to use you mightily the kingdom that your children will arise and call you blessed 
not only the children from your womb, but also the children that you have birthed spiritually. You are a mother of nations. Your passion for God is contagious. All that you do, you don't seek attention. You truly love God and love people. You lead by example. And I just pray that God will continue to reveal himself to you in mighty ways as you lead in the home and submit to your husband and raise your children in the fear of the Lord. That all that you ask of the Lord will be granted unto you. missions for your heart to travel around the world to serve the broken like that mission trip you took for a month in Mexico with Pastor Julieta Chilapa that you gave your heart to all those young children out there to learn the language of Spanish and to speak it well I pray that the Lord raises you up to go over there permanently to live and to serve the broken, the hurting overseas and around this world. That your baby will grow up strong, that many more will come. That God will bless you and give you strength. And that you always know that He loves you. And that everything you've done is well. Well done. Vanessa, I pray that God will continue to keep you strong. You are a woman of strength. Your passion and zeal for the Lord is contagious. And I just feel the Lord wants you to know that he calls you a faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You don't seek for the attention of men, but all that you do, you know that you do is unto the Lord and your reward is in heaven. You are blessed in all that you do, a blessed wife, a blessed mother. Josiah is blessed to have you. And spiritual children will continue to come from you in all that you do. As you seek the Lord and his kingdom, all these things will be added onto you as well. youth, your heart to lead worship, your heart to be a blessing to God's people. I just hear the Lord wanting me to tell you that He's so pleased with what you do. He's so pleased in your sacrifices. All the things that you've done for the youth and young people where sometimes parents or others don't say thank you. The Lord sees everything you've done. As you've washed their feet spiritually, as you've been there for them, And I just hear the Lord saying that it's never forgotten and that you have a huge future, a destiny, but it's not going to be marked by the world's standard of greatness, though it will be awesome, but it's going to be marked by humility and brokenness for these young people that are looking for examples of love, of of just people they can look up to. They've been so let down. They've been so let down by the, the, the parents or the schools or this community, but they're looking for help. They're looking for leaders. And God says he's going to raise you up to do that.
swell in your gentleness and your love for people is also contagious. Not only are you a pastor to children, you're a pastor to future leaders, men and women that will serve the Lord, that will win their families to Christ. And all that you do is unto the Lord, even when man doesn't see, God sees. And he, he honors all of your acts of sacrifice, all of your acts of obedience. It doesn't go unnoticed. Your honor for your husband, supporting him in his call, and the children that God will, the child that God has given you, and the children that he will continue to give you, and all the spiritual children, they will arise and call you blessed. And I pray God's continual favor and increase and prosperity over your life, and that souls will continue to be one. Children will grow up to be men and women of God that will shake nations for him. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you today for Pastor Jared. God, I just thank you that he loves you. Lord, I'll never forget the first day I met him, God. Lord, he's always had a heart for you, and he just loves to learn about you, Jesus. Oh, God, let him never lose that first love, God. And as he works at Teen Challenge and he pours it out, God, I'm sure there's so many that don't say thank you, Lord. God, I know working with drug addicts, God, so many of them don't say thank you, God, because they're so messed up. But, Lord, I know, Lord, that they're thankful. I know that they're thankful, God. And I pray he doesn't get discouraged, God, when he has to cut back and make sacrifices, Lord, when he could be working somewhere else, teaching somewhere. God, I thank you that he serves the least of these, God. He reminds me of you, Jesus, going where you would go, reaching out to the hurting, God. Bless his family. God, use him for greatness, God, with that heart of a servant. Lord, let him wash the feet, God, of the broken everywhere he goes. In Jesus' name.